0: Hi everybody, welcome to Simply Soccer. I'm your host Michelle Hutink, and this is Christian Conway with me.
1: Good evening from uh, a wonderfully chilly New York City.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm coming you from I can't even I shouldn't even complain about the chilliness that is uh, the Antelope Valley, but <laughs> 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 it's a 20 degree difference. Let's put it that way from what I'm, the
1: day was. I'd love to be there. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um. So we are previewing MLS Cup, of course. You got your classic uh, Seattle Sounders versus Toronto FC this time. The Sounders get a chance at home.
1: It's the third time in uh, four years we've had this MLS Cup final, and I I think it's a testament to both organizations. And I, I think there have been many times during the regular seasons where we've buried both Toronto and the Sounders and said the, this run of excellence is over. But I think it's a testament to the front offices of both these organizations that they've consistently held a high standard of of excellence in in this league and, and and that's very difficult in a league that demands so much out of you in terms of travel in terms of roster rules and expansion drafts and and a new rule every year it seems to be so i i i commend both these organizations for continuing to keep up their excellence um i think Seattle's going to put on a show uh uh, Especially at at home. And, yeah. <laughs> I think the city of, Seattle, city of Seattle and the Sounders fans are going to put on a show. Um, I, 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 from a lot of the Sounders fans that I've interacted with, they've, they've definitely craved this opportunity to showcase what they have built um, on our league's highest stage. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic final. It's going to be an interesting final. We'll get into it in a sec, but I think just from a, like a pure kind of overlooking everything perspective, this will be very, uh, I, I think this is going to be very, it, it, it's it's going to be a good advertisement for the league.
0: I think so. And I mean, even when I was like following soccer for the first time, like in 2005, uh, but then 2006 was the, the world cup. Um, and actually, you know, they were doing a lot of promo for the world cup at that time. And I just remember like drew carry, you know, also being a photographer, yeah, he publishes under another name and just knowing that like he's part owner and like I learned about the passion that exists in Seattle and, you know, having been and then that was part of the draw for me to go up besides like I have friends that moved up there um, to go to go up and visit. I mean, you know, I don't want to keep co- comparing our league to European leagues, but like that's that's a, that's the a standard when it comes especially to fandoms. um. And I know that the sounders are fans are really hardcore. Um, there is it's it's a it's a wonderful stadium to go and visit and be in. Um, you know, we don't really have a horse in the race, but that they're the home team this time, you know, despite the turf. <laughs> it's gonna be um something something to to watch and to you know, sometimes if I can't stream a game i'll i'll put it on the radio and i actually like like the commentators from the sounders specifically steve zachawani in case people didn't listen and know that we had him on before um you know and then just seeing smesser as the coach as well like to be able to bring your team the way that he has to mls cup finals and like and then um yeah, to win a cup and everything like that. So, you know, I really, I really admire it. And I know it's kind of might sound funny right now, because analyst female had their um, reporters put out picks. And I didn't officially pick anyone because I was just like, you know, yes, I was rooting for the Sounders against LAFC. But at the end of the day, they're the West Coast and they're the rivals of the galaxy. And you know, despite my question, Jordan Morris, um, which in terms of like U.S. men's national team it is fading. Um, like, yeah, I, I know that he's made a big comeback himself as a player, uh, especially after tearing his ACL and, you know, the threat that he is. And then you have, you know, Captain Lodero, um, you have, I mean, everybody knows like Torres and. You know, Christian Roldan's been kind of, honestly, like, quiet lately, but he, you know, has... has Is is really... That's the kind of a frustrating thing of being a U.S. men's fan. It's like, you watch these guys play really well for their club, <laughs> and you're like, where is that when you're playing for the national team? And uh, then, of course, the back line. Um, you have Leardom, uh, you know, Cam, Ariega, uh, Smith, and, and, you know, this team just has depth, I... I hate it, and <laughs> I hate for it. But you know, I mean, because when we had to face them, when the Galaxy had to face them, it was like if if we hadn't lost to LAFC, we, I know that Sounders would have taken us out. Like that was that was straight up. You know, they yeah, yeah, Ship and Dellum and Rodriguez. I mean, you know, it is who it is when they come out and get people off the bench
1: too. And I agree because I think what Seattle did so well in that game against LAFC, which was. Use the wing backs to great effect and on the counter attack, which I think would have really undressed the Galaxy in terms of the way that we commit wing backs forward. I think I think Noah Tulu and and Kevin Dem are having absolutely phenomenal postseasons. Um, I mean Jordan Morris has been the hottest player in MLS right now.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, if you look I mean at aside
0: the, from Villa, depending who you're talking to.
1: Well, I mean one's in a MLS Cup final and one isn't. I I I, that's, I that's that's, that's agree. Um, <laughs> I mean Seattle was kind of average. On, on the regular season. I mean, they had a plus-three goal differential, which is, eh, like, okay. Um, right. But what they did was, outside of that plus-three goal differential, they made things work. I mean, they faced injuries. They lost Avi Ozzy who was probably maybe the greatest oh, defensive yeah. midfielder in MLS of all time. They had Chad Marshall retire in the middle of the season. I mean, they had... Roman Torres go down for a personal or a PED suspension. Like,
0: yeah,
1: (laughs) they're still here. Like, I think that speaks to a a level of mental resilience that it's hard to bet against in an MLS Cup final. And the other thing that I think makes Seattle very interesting and also what got Seattle here was Seattle is tactically very adept at changing the game plan when the game plan's going wrong or if they run into a game plan that they can't deal with. Because if you look at the game they played against Dallas, they were very open. They were attacking. They wanted overloads on the left side. They really wanted to hit them on the like hit them dominating the ball. And Dallas was more than happy to sit back and absorb pressure and then hit them on the counter attack. And that's why that game turned into that four three, absolutely bonkers match uh, at CenturyLink Field. They go out against LAC, and I think a lot of us looked at that tactical plan against Dallas and were like, they're going to get killed. Like they will. This this could get ugly, and they completely changed the book. They sat deep. They were brilliant in terms of tactically, defensively working together, organizing their lines into two very low blocks of four. And then whenever they had a chance, they just hit opportunistic moments. That that to me is, that that indicates to me a level of soccer IQ in terms of just being willing to kind of substitute what you've done all season and be very good at adopting a new a new tactical plan and i and I, I give schmetzer a lot of credit for that where you know he could have really stuck to his guns and said you know what we're going to go out there and we're going to go play the level but he probably would have lost that game he goes out there knowing that he's going to have to completely change his plan and drills his team to the level that they could actually execute that plan to perfection and you could argue seattle probably should have had four or five on the night with the opportunities they had i mean it, it it's an interesting kind of thing with seattle um It's it's a level of resilience about Seattle that I I I really respect, and as a Galaxy fan, really annoys me. Um, (laughs) But I I I think one of the big kind of players in this game is going to be Nicholas Lodero because what Nicholas Lodero has done very well has basically been the all-encompassing number ten in the sense that he doesn't necessarily play as a traditional number ten, but he's a chance creator who's more than happy to drift to the wing and pull a defender in order to open up space on the overload, or he'll sit back like 30 yards lower than where he's normally supposed to play and just pick up the ball against the defense and then ping a 20 yard pass to open up an opportunity. Do you want to be like in on goal as like almost a false night? Yeah, he'll more than happily do that. So I think if Nico Odero is firing on all cylinders, this CL team becomes very difficult to deal with because you task defensive midfielders to cover the number 10 And all of a sudden your defensive midfielders are going all over the place because they have to cover Lodero because they have to get him, they have to pressure him in order to make him make mistakes. But now you're conceding all this space around the field wherever Nico Lodero feels like he wants to float.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what I was also thinking was like how, like you said, um, well, you didn't say this exactly, but what I was thinking is how Seattle uh, snuck its way up the table. And a lot of people will say that that's what Seattle does. But then, you know, we kind of say this facetiously, but and as like rivals, but we do kind of say, Yeah, but the, the sounders flounder, right? That's what we kind of like expect them to do.
1: Um, but, but they're that era of the flounder is is over. And I think <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's a vintage notion that we hang on to as almost like a safety blanket of sorts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and and I mean I I just I know Josie Altador's on you know, um, Toronto, and then um, Bradley's still over there too, right?
1: But so here's,
0: here's. I hate both these guys, and I know you should separate like club and country, but I'm like, I'm done with y'all. I do not want to see Toronto like lift a trophy
1: over their well, head. I here's where again on it. on the way I'm kind of previewing <laughs> Toronto is that, Joe Zelter may not start this game due to injury. He's been dealing with, right. um, I believe, with a hamstring injury uh, throughout, the playoffs, um, and. A lot of people who attended his press conference today kind of, he basically, like, Greg Vanney and, and Josie uh, said, I believe on, maybe it was Monday or Tuesday, they were like, oh, what will it take for Josie to play in MLS Cup Final? And they said, oh, it'll take a miracle. Mm-hmm. But he trained on Wednesday and Thursday. He trained away from the group, but he did train. And today they I mean, were are
0: asking, they going to, like, say if he is, though? I mean, well, isn't that, like, a
1: tactical... My, I think this is a little bit of gamesmanship, because... They basically said, Oh, it's upgraded from need a major miracle to just need a miracle. If I am Toronto FC, a lot of what I have done well is because Josie Altador is so dominant when it comes to playing center backs. Like no one in this league wants to play Josie Altador or like wants to mark Josie Altador because he's physical. No, you're right. He uses his body. Yeah. And he uses his body smartly. So I have a feeling if you are Toronto FC right now and you know that even if you get 30 minutes outside or out of Josie out that's 30 minutes that you really take this game to the Sounders because the one knock about the Sounders this year is that center backs for the Sounders have been a little bit dicey at times so you can get a really big body on them like just making their day horrible for 30 minutes you're going to want to do that but you don't want them to know that so I think that's the first big question with Toronto the other big question is that Omar Gonzalez is healthy in this game He's been out with a mm. hamstring strain as well. I was wondering. <laughs> and Omar, there, there is not causation or correlation with causation. And Toronto, he got really good when Omar Gonzalez came in in midseason. He's been solid for them. He's been like, he's he's revived his career. He's doing well. So I think Omar is going to make life difficult for Seattle. So I think those two things. I mean, I, I think. Josie Elstor coming back would be the bigger impact for Toronto. I think Omar coming back is just kind of like, oh, now we return to business as normal for Toronto. But I think this is not going to be the team that was a little bit soft against Atlanta United at times. It's going to be a little bit more defensively solid. And also, I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that Toronto is going to come out really defensive in this game. That they saw how effective Seattle was in terms of playing deep lines and being more than happy to feed the ball to LAFC and basically say, all right, you're more than comfortable to do that. Cool. We're more than comfortable to let you have possession. We don't need it. And it's a little bit what they did in Atlanta. And they did it to a fact. I mean, D Leon's goal is not something you're gonna see scored every day, obviously. But I think the game that sticks out to me in terms of where Seattle's weak was the game where they had most of the possession, where they dump where they were the attacking force in the game, which was the Dallas game and Dallas scored three. I argue that Toronto's got a better front three than even, even with Josie out out, I think t- Toronto's got better attacking options than Dallas did. So you see the ball and you let, you know, Puzuelo, you let Benizé, you let Jonathan Osorio, Josie, if he's healthy, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: run against the defense when they're going to get space. I, I'd be a little bit concerned if I'm Seattle. So I, I'm, I'm kind of like trying to figure out who's going to be the aggressor in this game because both teams were more than happy. Both teams played teams that they weren't expected to beat, and both teams were more than happy to just go out and seed possession and let the number one seed just go and like the number one or two seed just go out and have fun. And like they were dogged in defense and smart. And I think I'm worried that both these teams are going to kind of go out there and have kind of the same idea. If I had to pick a team that was going to be the aggressor, I figure it's going to be Seattle just because you're at home. Home mm-hmm. teams in MLS Cup are six for eight when they're hosting. You kind of want to put on a show for seventy thousand fans, or seventy two, or however many it's going to be. I, I have a feeling Seattle's going to go out there and be the more aggressive aggressive team, which I also think really helps Toronto.
0: <laughs> I mean, you so, know, I really wouldn't be surprised if like a red card gets issued, especially to like Toronto, because it gets like really physical um, when you play against Seattle, and well, Toronto, you know the stakes well, are so Toronto. high.
1: Toronto is going to want to make the game physical because they're going to want to push Lodero and ideas off their game by just every single time. It's what they did in Atlanta. And and, and they did it to an excellent extent. And it's been a while since I've seen, seen a team do this really well, which is this whole entire concept of, um, if you're going to play a team and sit in a low block, but want to get physical, you rotate fouls through the team. So no one gets close to a persistent infringement in yellow. So you'd see, bradley would put in a challenge and then he'd walk off and then or like the next challenge in order to stop an attacking play Osorio would take that challenge and then maybe it's ben coming in and, and going in on a challenge and then it's puts and it's you spread the the challenges the defensive challenges around so that no one really gets in yellow card trouble but you're still doing the exact thing, the exact thing you mm. want to do which is just consistently following follow or sorry following following following
0: following following,
1: <laughs> following. stuck in my so head so good consistently foul the best attackers for the other team while preventing yellow cards, but also throwing those attackers off their game because they're a little bit nervous about, oh man, I'm going to have to take another hit to the ankle. I'm going to have to take another hit to the shin. Oh man, it's going to hurt again. You know, like, I mean, we're all a human, like once you get mm-hmm. hit once or twice in the face, you're not going to go back to the same place that hit to get hit a third time, you know?
0: Yeah. Um. I really don't see this game going to penalties um extra time maybe and then if i if let's say you're going to sub in josie altidor um if you know you're like you see i mean look i kind of feel like you want to play to win so you don't want to sub him too late but you don't want to sub him in too early if you think you're going to extra time
1: well you also don't know how long you have in terms of josie altidor's legs right because he's coming off right. an injury if, if right. he goes let's right. imagine the world where he goes you really don't know i don't know if necessarily you want to waste a sub in regular time know you're going to head to extra time and he might pull up 15 minutes into extra time lame because he played 30 minutes more than he needed to yeah right so they're gonna have to be careful about playing josie i, I will say uh, i was i was listening to bobby warsaw uh talk about this one terror thing where it's like well if, if he's 30 minutes healthy what do you do with him and he said well you start good. because you know you're gonna get 30 minutes out of it
0: yeah and then just you, sub him out
1: you already know you're wasting a sub you get an extra sub and extra time So you get 30 minutes of Josie. I mean, it's the same thing that the U.S. Women's National Team did in the Rio Olympics
0: Mm -hmm. with Megan
1: Rapinoe, which was like, we know what we're going to get. We're only going to get 30 minutes. We'll start her and we just know we're going to sub her out. It's like the match plan takes care of itself in a certain in a certain way. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I, I understand the thinking behind it.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other thoughts that go along with that. I mean, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I definitely look forward to seeing it. I don't know where I'm watching yet, but.
1: <laughs> One other thing I will say about Toronto that I think makes them difficult to plan against is that Toronto has the ability to show you multiple different formations in a game. Like, if you look at the game against Atlanta, they started in sort of like, a, I want to say it was kind of like a 4 4 t- or no, it was a 4-3-3 three, three with uh, as a default 9, and then at halftime they go into a 3-5-2, and then uh Vanny makes a 7, now it's a 5-4-1, and then they finish in a 4-3-3. Three, three. That's really difficult for a team defensively to kind of plan for, because all of a sudden you're getting runners in very different locations, or you're getting midfielders that are floating into spaces that you weren't really prepared for, or have no idea how to track. So I think if I think Vanny's gonna keep to to steal a hockey term here, keep blending the lines and keep just kind of changing on the fly to keep Seattle's defense and defensive shape really off pitch. And I think if he can if they get a moment where on one of those switches of formation they can really hit a moment and they can score in that moment, then I think Seattle's gonna have a really tough time because they're just going to have to keep doing with very different formations throughout the day. And now they're one no down and also trying to figure out defensively, what are we doing? while also trying to move them forward to try and at least, you know, get an equalizer. So I think that to me is the biggest wrinkle in this is that what Vaney is going to do with his formation and kind of how he's going to Rubik's cube it throughout the day in order to keep Seattle on their toes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. And playing, um, darn, I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I don't see penalties. I think this is going to be.
0: Yeah.
1: I I I I think this is going to be a very good final because I think both coaches are so tactically brilliant that it's going to be like it's it's just it's a chess match of 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 epic proportion. But I think yeah. it's going to be I think it's going to be a two one win to Seattle. I think they just they every challenge from the beginning of this season they've answered it and they've answered it in resounding fashion and I think
0: that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like, last challenge. I mean, you know, playing from behind is, is difficult and if, if that is in fact what ends up happening uh with Seattle. But um I I mean, yeah, easily 2-1 win. And that's uh if Josie
1: <laughs> yeah. starts, right? I I, so. I just I, I I even if Josie doesn't start, even if Josie doesn't show up in this game. You I think, think Toronto's well, getting
0: one because of Gonzalez well, I mean, or Bradley.
1: They've got Nicholas Benazette, Alejandro Pozuelo, Jonathan Osorio, they've got like a really good front three mm-hmm. that really, you know, kind of tormented Atlanta for a for firm of that game. The other thing about it is they've got guys like, uh, we talk about like big moment guys right now, Toronto's got a lot of big moment guys and you need your big moment guys to show up. And I think what we saw in Atlanta was Nick DeLeon's a big moment guy. He shows up, scores a screamer like, Michael Bradley had a fantastic game against Atlanta, like he really did. Mm-hmm. Willow had a phenomenal game too. Like those guys are going to show up in those kind of moments, and I think th- th- that makes them at least good for a goal. It might make them good for two or three. Um, and and I think Greg Vanny is going to have to hope that that's going to make him good for two or three goals. But I just think the way that Toronto or uh, the way that Seattle has answered every single difficult question about them this season, they've done so incredibly well at doing it. And I mean. Um, I saw this crazy stat about, um, uh, when Nicholas Ladero and Raul Rui Diaz start together over the past two years, they've been 25 wins, six losses, four draws. That's phenomenal numbers. And home teams in MLS cup are six of eight since, uh, when they're the host. So between those two numbers, yeah, I'm taking Seattle, but I think it's going to be very tight. I think it's going to be a really entertaining open game.
0: Oh, yeah, I really think so. And, yeah, uh, you mentioned Rui Diaz. I was like, how did he miss my radar? Like, how did I miss that? Like,
1: <laughs> I mean, the man has scored um, five straight, yeah. straight playoff games. Like, yeah. we still, like, what boggles the mind about Rui Diaz is, like, the, the dude is phenomenally good at scoring goals. He's scored in six straight playoff games. He's scored in every playoff game he's played in. And yet, when it comes to, we talk about, like, the great strikers of MLS right now, it's, of course, unfortunately, Carlos Vela, Ibrahimovic, Joseph Martinez. And then there's kind of like this tumbleweed gap, and then like, oh yeah, Roy Diaz is around. Like, oh yeah, that guy's good too. Like, but he's he's put up these insane numbers at MLS. Like, it's kind of crazy for me that he doesn't really. I don't think he really gets the respect he deserves.
0: Agreed. Um, yeah. It, and and both these teams have have passion for their for their city for their club. It's 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 gonna be one. For the books, for sure.
1: I think I think it's going to be one of the great MLS camp finals that we talk about.
0: Yeah, from here from here on, <laughs> <laughs> we're watching history. Um, okay, so getting into LA Galaxy, the midfield.
1: Yeah, the um, uh, yeah. One of the positives of the season, I'd I'd actually argue.
0: Well, easily to argue because we have Jonathan Dos Santos. Um right there so actually yeah um i mean obviously always prepare notes and everything whenever i'm I, I know that uh i know i kind of like every other tweet is me talking about that i have two teaching jobs but the midfields were the galaxy is like literally like the the easiest thing to to prepare for um because i mean starting with jonathan dos santos um i mean <laughs> and it feels almost unfair to start with him, because he's so phenomenal. It's um, And that we have him for two more years is, is.
1: also like... Arguably, well,
0: I don't know if we have him for two more years, but definitely he could stay.
1: <laughs> he's probably the best defensive midfielder on form right now in MLS. Like I, I yeah. don't think there's any question. I mean, he's... The, the thing that I love about Jonathan Dos Santos is he combines a really high level of soccer IQ with the ability to know... Are they, with with a level of physicality that I I don't think a lot of guys are willing to put in. But I mean, if you watch him in in terms of like moments where he has to assess and decide on a defensive action, his closing and speed is brilliant. He never he rarely misses a tackle. Like you he he's rarely yellow carded because he's just he's he knows moments where it's like all right I know I'm going to lose this challenge. It's much rather better for me to play contained. Or he knows when to be aggressive in terms of of defensive action in then when he picks up his head on the ball metronoming the Galaxy attack it's he's it, it's just his soccer IQ for me is so incredibly joyous to watch like I, I do think he's we're lucky to have him for two more years and I'm, and I'm I'm hoping that when he said about you know he wants to retire as a Galaxy player I, I know I hope that is true because he is a guy that is a once in a generational talent in terms of defensive midfielders
0: yeah when he was out injured it I mean he was sorely miss and that's like an understatement. Um
1: you yeah, I mean, know, he's, he's, he's critical to what the galaxy want to do.
0: Absolutely. Um and I I'm honestly our midfield is one of the few things that I don't want changed, you know, and I I don't know how much, you know, we can we can do with all the things, like, with the back line. And, and then, of course, there's the summer window. But, I I, I mean, just the way that he connects, um, LeJet thankfully got out of his slump. And, you know, when you can push Jonathan Dos Santos and LeJet up, that's how you were getting – that's how we were scoring.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, if we're moving on to LeJet, I mean, the thing about LeJet was he did admit kind of in the middle of the scene he said, I was too in my head. Like, I was too – caught up with like the recovery from the injury and like i was so worried that something else was going to happen and once he kind of i think once he got into a rhythm in terms of feeling like okay i feel confident in what i'm doing and like i feel good about myself and like everything it really changed for him i mean legit is a like one of a higher quality mid. like the galaxy midfield has about like in the top 10 of like their individual position midfielders like Jonathan DeSantis is the top 10 defensive midfielder in this league. I'd argue he's a top five. Sebastian Legette, in terms of like a... a he's not really a number 10, but he's not really a number eight. Like, he's... I know. He's a number 18, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but he's he's excellent at the position because he creates, but he also, defensively, is pretty smart. He His passing range is very good. He's, you know, he picks up his head on the ball. He knows, you know, the next move to make. So, I mean, he's... Definitely. I mean, we're talking about a player that, you know, he's he's 27, and we're saying, well, he's really growing into himself at 27. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Some players just—that's what happens to them. They just get, you know, they they have, and especially jet, I think could this could have happened younger, but I think he's one of those players that went to Europe too early and wasn't ready for it. Oh. Because he kind of struggled at West Ham, and like not kind of—he definitely did struggle at West Ham—and coming to the Galaxy really shocked his career into life at like 24 you know
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: so i think he's finally developing into the player that we always thought he could be which is the way he operates in tight space and the way he can pick a pass even though he's got three defenders on him and break pressure and break the lines of an opposing team that is a incredibly valuable skill that i i I think shaloto definitely recognizes and shaloto is definitely expecting over the next two three years to use in terms of the offensive plan, so to speak, of the LA Galaxy.
0: Um, I don't know exactly like what the other guys' contracts are, but um and, and not to like jump ahead of, of Jonathan Dos Santos, but I was just trying to think, like, you know, trying to keep these guys around. Um but, but going back to Jonathan for a moment, um, Jonah, um, you know, his passion for the club also grew. Um when I when this galaxy team was first playing, you were kind of worried. You didn't see that that love, that passion, that like I mean, Jonathan always gave one hundred and ten percent. But I don't know. Like there were sometimes when you lost. and I mean, understandably, so some didn't address the the media and things like that. But, you know, we always kind of looked at Jonathan dos Santos as like our co-captain and 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 looking up to him and just kind of seeing, you know, there's nothing better than seeing him run up and like kiss the crest especially after he scored like it
1: it is it is my phone background so uh,
0: uh, yeah exactly um and just watching that them shine and and that growth and and also that oh my gosh I loved it that he spoke in English like uh, one of the media people were like you promised me one question to answer in (laughs) English and and he did it and he did it so well and and you know it's 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 really just great to see him to see him grow with the club and I look forward to <laughs> can we even say like what more he brings you know a lot of people say that you know because of um, Giovanni obviously like coming to the galaxy brought us Jonah but at the same time also like his leaving was able to unlock all of Jonathan's potential
1: yeah i I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that um I think I think he I almost feel like he was kind of taking care of his brother and and felt like that was his primary role. And now he feels like he can actually build an identity within the club that I, mm-hmm. I think is is absolutely fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to turn, uh moving on, I do want to turn to Joe Corona, who yes, I don't think got the due that he deserved because he, I mean, think about midfielders and Joe Corona's position as kind of the guys that are the, the, the number eight box-to-box to, box to box kind of helper midfielders is that, if we never talk about them, then that's a good thing. I think mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Corona got an unfair kind of shake amongst galaxy fans. I mean, the guy played, you know, the guy didn't make a ton of appearances for the Galaxy. I mean, he made appearances with the galaxy, but he didn't make enough to the point where I was feeling like we really got a full read on him. The other thing about Joe Corona is that I mean, he's had a pretty successful career. Like we're not getting some scrub who is, you know, sitting on the bench at, you know, major Mexican clubs. I mean, he's played He's played in some phenomenal places. Like he, he, and, 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 I mean, he was a U.S. national team player. I mean, he's played for Tijuana. He played for America. He played for, um, uh, the United, I mean, he's made 23 appearance, appearances for the United States. Like, it's not like he's had a bad shake of it. I just think, I think with Corona, it's, it's the sense that, again, this league is hard. And I think Corona, I was reading an article earlier today that, um, I believe it was the New York times, but it might've been the guardian. put out talking with players that had just spent their first season in MLS. And they asked them like, what was your biggest surprise? What was this? What was that? And, um, one of the players, like, I, I apologize. It's not coming to the top of my head right now. Basically said, Oh, like I was halfway through the season. and I felt like I was at the end of the season. I was so tired. And, yeah. And, and, then and, and people talks. keep
0: saying, you know, about about our scheduling and the way it is. It's not an excuse and this and that, but it's like, no. Look at the flights. Look at the yeah. way that they have to travel and everything that they have to do.
1: Yeah. So I I, I think Corona is going to be an interesting development next year. I don't think he had the greatest of of starts in an LA Galaxy jersey, but I think I think with a full off season with a full preseason kind of fitting into the role that he's he's expected to take i think that's going to help him a lot because i think coming in mid-season is always so difficult for any player yeah. but i think yeah i think i think he can come good and i think i mean there's a reason chaloto and to want when got him and especially to who who's yeah. at his pulse on the mexican league for as long as he's had he doesn't go out to league mx and recruit a player just because he can, you know, like he, he saw something. Oh yeah,
0: no, they're deliberate in their decision making. Um, definitely with Corona. I mean, two things I think, um, when when we were missing him was he had gotten engaged and I don't know if that was the reason, but I just know that he wasn't available. He wasn't on the bench at that time. And then
1: as far as I understand it, he was suffering from a foot injury that they didn't want to disclose. I think it was like one of those, like when when it he was
0: just like yeah. oh the timing of everything
1: <laughs> yeah I think, I think I,
0: people were th- criticizing for that
1: <laughs> yeah I think the timing didn't even know I, I actually think he I think he got or I think he proposed to his girlfriend because he was like I'm gonna not be playing for ten days so I might as well you know get this out of the way now
0: uh-huh. yeah right uh-huh. I know and all the all the players tend to get married or whatever on the off season but exactly. anyway we digress um no but when he got that toe injury from Houston I was like oh that's it we are. <laughs> <laughs> kind of screwed. Like we're yeah. losing this match. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Corona going out wasn't the problem. it was more the fact that Fabio Alvarez was never. Gonna do you don't the- think so? <laughs> what Corona was going to do. Um, yeah, but I. I ah, fair. <laughs> I think I think it's fair to give Corona another half season to three quarters of a season before making full judgment, just because his integration of the Galaxy squad's been a little bit hit. Like it's 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 been turbulent. I don't think it's been. And and it's not necessarily Corona's fault. He's been unlucky with injury. He's, you know, it, it's it's been a little bit weird. Um, but I think give him a full off season to recover and get fit, and then give him a full preseason with this team. I think it's going to be a very different world. I think I, this has kind of been my, and I know we're going to go kind of at, when we finish out the series, we're going to talk about kind of the general conversations about this season. And one of the things I, I, I kind of think about this this team in general is that. A lot of things looked like a team that was trying to figure out, or that wasn't trying to figure out, but was learning a new style of play. And I think Joe Corona was one of those victims that kind of was still trying to figure it out that, uh, in terms of what DTK and, DTK and Shiloto wanted. yeah, And I think I, Corona I was one of those victims.
0: Yeah. Um, I kind of had heard that when Shaloto had come on, that they weren't used to, I don't know if it was the amount of training or the type of training, um, that, that he was having them do. So, um, now, now that they're on it, you know, I feel like, yeah, exactly. Like they're going to be able to keep up and, and now he's, he's more familiar with playing here in the teams. And I, I don't see any, any issues moving forward. Um, like you yeah. said, we didn't really have to criticize him too much. We never like said, "Oh, you give the ball away or oh, you didn't do your job like it wasn't like, anything like that coming from him from where he was
1: yeah the I mean the other uh the other player that I think also kind of got victimized by this whole entire new processing was uh fabio Alvarez, um who mm-hmm. when he was at Tales uh was told by Shiloto that oh, next year like before Shiloto left Boca it was like next year I'm bringing you to Boca, like I want you as a player and so And Fabio Alvarez uh, released a very candid interview with uh, an Argentine uh, media source, I can't remember the paper's name, um, where he basically said, like, he's like, I didn't play my best this year because I, I, I," he he said what a lot of foreign players say, which is that I did not realize how hard this league was Mm -hmm. and how grueling it was to my mind and my body. And he said, you know. I missed my family. I missed all this other stuff that like, apparently someone was moving to LA and stuff like that. So he's going to have a good support network. And Oh, wow. I think Fabio, I think Fabio is going to, I think he's going to be one of those players where it's the first year where you're kind of like, Oh my God, what did we get? Like we just, we got, we got someone who looked really good on YouTube, but I think (laughs) think next year we're going to get the most out of Fabio Alvarez, which I'm, I am super excited about. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm definitely excited. Like I said, um, and then going to, I just, I know we're kind of talking about people who who were more active, but I do want to touch on Chris Pontius right now because he has uh, retired now, announced his retirement, and I mean, I I actually missed him a lot on on the pitch, and now he's gone. So
1: I have a feeling the fact that we didn't really see him at the end of the season, I because that was confusing to me because because Sholoto seemed to like Pontius in terms of the way that he utilized him.
0: Yeah, and he, I he was, a, was minor, a good attacker. And I have he, a
1: minor feeling yeah. that Sholoto and the front office knew a little bit more than we did in terms of what was going on with Pontius. Like, I I mm. have a feeling there might have been an injury or something like that where Pontius kind of had something happen in training or whatever and basically said, look, I'm, I'm done. Because yeah. it, it doesn't make sense in terms of the way that they handled Pontius considering they had the way they had handled him previously and i think i think maybe that was the he basically kind of had that injury and, and 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 players have this where they just have that one last injury where they're like i don't want to live like this anymore and that i think might have been the case mm. um i do want to say uh i mean perry kitchen we know what he offers he's been a
0: solid.
1: he's been a solid I mean, he
0: had that pelvis injury too we were like just where's kitchen <laughs>
1: I mean, he's been a solid servant to the galaxy for his for his tenure. I mean, I, the thing about Perry Kitchen is uh, the less you have to talk about a defensive midfielder, the better. And I, I really, I mean, Perry was. I mean, Perry's a bench player on on this Galaxy team. Like, I think there's no question. And when he had to fill in, he filled in well. I I really don't have anything else to say after that. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, he did his job well. He was he was fantastic in that game in Minnesota. I thought. Um. Uh. But I also want to spare a thought to um. Coelho, who... Yeah. He made mistakes, but he made mistakes that was like a first-year-in-the-league rookie. Kind I was
0: going to say he's a rookie.
1: And if you're going to be in this in this kind of locker room where you're around like Ibrahimovic, Jonathan DeSantos, Sebastian Jet, whatever, those mistakes are going to go away really quickly just because of the the experience that you're around all the time.
0: Yeah, and, but his uh, play was sloppy, though.
1: Yeah, at times, but I, I think... Again, he's, he's making young player mistakes and I, I I don't know I
0: like him I I, I think he's got a lot of potential
1: yeah I've seen things from Coelho that I like
0: it's, I would think we got to see it in Leagues Cup I yeah, know it's like it's not that big of a deal but he was brilliant he
1: was I was like phenomenal. screaming
0: for somebody to shoot and he he did it <laughs> you know
1: picking passes, he was I think I think Coelho is going to be a late bloomer in terms of his career but I, I, I if, if what he did against Tijuana in the Leagues Cup, we can replicate at an MLS level. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad option to have.
0: (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. And and, and Efrain was paired with him, too. And I I I know he's... Yeah.
1: He's young. What is he, 17
0: now? Yeah, he's 17.
1: I mean, he played like a 17-year-old this year, which was moments of... For And then moments of, you know completely disappearing from the game yeah, because
0: he got called by mexico we didn't even get to see him and then we didn't end up going to mls cup so that was the end of that season for him you know
1: with us but um well i don't i don't think he was going to play in the playoffs just considering looking at shaloto's roster decision making in the playoffs i think Chaloto was shielding the young players away from those kind of high pressure hmm. moments and i and i don't mean that in a way that's kind of like well
0: and alessandrini was back and so yeah. it was
1: kind of like well who, who goes off it? bench? yeah, yeah. you, you got to bring defensive midfield cover so you bring you know
0: And and it's just interesting, too, because like, and and I guess without meaning to, we're moving on to Alessandrini. It's like he he hadn't played with us for months, but we're just like, you knew that still he could be that spark. He could get that ball uh, pushed forward. He would take shots um, even if he did miss them. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I I would say I'd like to throw Drini in with the attacking options next week just because i think i i see him more as a winger rather than a midfielder
0: i know I know officially he's um uh, listed as a midfielder though but yes yeah. I, I agree no I know he plays on that other side and I look I at him saying, like i look in at the little four yeah.
1: through three he's he's not necessarily a midfielder for, um, for
0: sure but no, and
1: yeah. and also i i if we started talking about awesome journey we'd be here for another four hours
0: i Uh, know (laughs) i know that's why i'm like "Mm, guys stay tuned for more content um i don't mean to move on to like touch on but just had to because of because i feel like it it did make for tactical decisions um once he was on um obviously subs for that mid when you don't have corona and
1: Carrasco.
0: exactly and I know I give him a hard time, and I know that he's fairly solid and and things like that. But it's just and you know we criticize him because he's not as good as his wife, and I don't even know if that's a fair assessment. But like for him, uh, to be compared to Alex Morgan, but it's like we have high expectations of him when he comes in, you
1: know,
0: uh, and or and or when he's not a time wasting sub.
1: But yeah, he's he's been an MLS lifer who's really never graduated from the bench unless he was playing for an expansion side. Like that's that's going to be Carrasco's the way we look at Carrasco's career. I mean, that's just, that's the reality of who he is. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's not much to say about Sarvato Carrasco. He's, he's one of those MLS lifers that ends up on a roster and you're just like, oh yeah, you're still, you're still in the league. Like, all right, cool. I mean, whatever, you know, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but I, I mean, he doesn't really offer anything that I can really point to and say, yeah, this guy's like, this no. guy's a unique talent because He's, you know, he's got this talent or that talent. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he's just yeah. I mean, in in that funny kind of way, it gave us depth in our midfield when you don't have Kitchen and you don't have
1: Corona. You're like, all right, yeah. and, you then go. They, and then they signed Juninho, and we really have no idea why they did that. <laughs>
0: I, um, I know, right? Because I was, I have his name written here, and I was just like, oh just. <laughs> he's not the junino that we all love and remember i mean that's just fair you know but yeah you, you know
1: it was that, that was a weird that was that was, back. <laughs> <laughs> that was very just, strange it was
0: just kind of nice to see him again and like hype him up yeah
1: i guess so <laughs> um but i yeah i i don't understand that signing very well
0: you know, we didn't just get to see it either. Like it's like, okay, I guess depth on the bench, but you're also not the person that we know and remember. Like I don't know who you are anymore. Like <laughs> yeah, and I
1: mean, I mean, so yeah, it, it was, it was, that was interesting. <laughs> I, I just, I yeah. don't, I, I guess they did it to kind of get people back on the, get people in the rebuild. But
0: is there like a possible like
1: financial spot
0: thing that
1: he helps? <laughs> I, I mean he takes up an international spot and he takes up a conference there you go. spot. So there I, you go. There you go. I also, I also have a feeling they brought him in thinking like, oh, it'll be back with his whole club and like we can just get him going again and like he's mm. gonna feel it again and it's
0: definitely just, saw him at trainings, you know, like
1: doing just, his thing. It just never but happened for him. It
0: wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't the same. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, mm. I I will say that I it just kind of overall looking at this, I mean the midfield for the galaxy really had a good year. Um, there was a lot yeah, of yes moments I, two, i'm super like, proud of them where you're I'm like yeah so the galaxy proud. the galaxy got it done in the midfield this year um
0: and our midfield was i think what everybody was worried about yeah I mean, obviously besides laton and one in the front there but i'm just saying
1: yeah i i i, I don't know if necessarily <laughs> there was concern i think it was just more a question of how is this how are all these very not just separate parts but kind of oddly overlapping parts gonna work together and it, it, it ended up working actually fantastically well
0: yeah yeah and I'm glad I'm glad we got to witness it to be honest I mean nothing like Jonathan Dos Santos like tearing it up in that midfield and making tackles that you're just like whoa how did he cleanly touch that ball and like and, and even our crappy MLS refs can't say nothing about the tackles
1: like that dreamer that against Minnesota will always be one of my favorites
0: yes and he did pretty well in, against Seattle, I
1: think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, guy, the guy can score, like, a wild goal, like, too, mm-hmm. which I...
0: Oh, my gosh, that goal also Oh, my I, gosh. I, what a banger.
1: I appreciate defensive midfielders that, like, Jonathan DeSantis is, like, my perfect player. Like, a very good defensive midfielder who's absolutely brilliant in terms of winning the ball, like, all this other stuff, and then just every now and then pops up for an absolute screamer. You're like, where did this come from? Like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there are nights when it's almost, like, like you said, not mentioning the midfield is a good thing, and there are times when he just kind of sits back quietly and just does his
1: job. Just gets to work. Yeah, I agree.
0: So well. Like, he does so much work. I wish that he could get some kind of award just for him.
1: Yeah, for, for real. Don't and off. everybody's
0: like, geez, like, keep it in your pants about Jonah. But it's like, no, like, look, he's, he's amazing. You know what he's I mean? One of, he's
1: one of, As a player. He is one of the best midfielders, defensive midfielders in this league, so...
0: Yep. And when we're talking about quality, especially bringing it up in, in MLS, like this is, this is how you want it. Like everybody needs to just kind of step it up. And, and that's why we want Jonathan Dos Santos as captain next season, if we can get it. Cause it's like, not only does his passion and and love for this club grown, up, uh, he puts in the work and you just know that everybody around him, it is like a, a ripple effect.
1: Yeah, I agree 110%. And I think having leaders, like Jonathan, who go into training every day with the intensity and the and the focus that he seems to have that can only do good things for your club moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And coaching the younger guys that are that are in there essentially. I mean
1: Exactly entirely. Just
0: leading, but yeah, but also knowing and recognizing that with their with their experience. Um, yeah, I truly believe that, you know, Jonathan can stay healthy and and bring us bring us a cup. <laughs> Race to save
1: i think I think we're a lot closer than people uh think we are i think we're i think we're we're I completely very- agree
0: i completely agree um i'm i mean I'm definitely already feeling confident about next season and i'm i am worried of course, like you know with whatever some changes that are inevitable, but that said, um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I keep saying it, but like we're going to have a back-to-back championship at some point. If it's 2020 and 2021, that
1: would be great. I would I often would know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, it was a successful season. I mean, it was, I think, asking a lot of this team to bring home the Cup after everything and the injuries and transitions and things like that. But um, yeah, imagine what a, a healthy, informed team can do.
1: I agree 110%. <laughs>
0: and yeah and j d s is only getting better okay. um, I think that covers it, don't right.
1: it i think we have we have we have exhaustively done this
0: <laughs> yes yes yes, we have uh really quickly u s women's national team won to no one's surprise against sweden uh but it is really cool to have uh Andonofsky start uh with such a uh you know, start already with a win. Um, that said, I mean, I just wanted to ask you, like, do you think it had something like, this is still kind of like the residuals of Jill Ellis though? Uh,
1: that roster was, inter- the starting level was interesting because I was expecting a little bit more rocking the boat. Yeah. But it was kind of, here's the new boss, same as the old boss in a lot of mm-hmm. respects. I mean, Chris and press Carly Lloyd, et cetera, start. He changed the fullbacks out. Um, that's partially due to injury um but I also yeah think, there's a lot of shifts going on there too i think the one thing that had vlatko been in charge of this roster versus um jill in terms of going to the world cup i think casey shorts on that roster and casey short started last night um it, I, he didn't have a lot of I, I think the reason it was kind of new boss same as the old boss was because he didn't have a ton of time to really Absolutely, I was surprised like
0: how tight all the games were,
1: like back
0: to back, and you know, and then yeah, then they already made the announcement of uh, the Kankakoff qualifying for the Olympics, and they're actually gonna host the semifinal and the final.
1: And I hope these for both <laughs> at the
0: at the diggity at Dignity Health Sports Park, guys. So I am gonna. Uh, apply for a credential through the stoppage time because I am their U.S. Women's National Team
1: correspondent. Yeah, um, it'll be. I, I think
0: that's in February, by the way, guys. We're
1: getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. Well, yeah, I, I think when, <laughs> when Blacko's Black got a little bit more time uh, with this roster, I think it's going to be a very different. Uh, it, Young, we're, we're younger players, different to, yeah, younger players, but also just we're just going to be hanging into a completely different world. Uh, okay. in terms of tactically and, and whatnot but I, d- I didn't see much that i could really point to where Vlaco is yeah, yeah. his full authority on it just yet yeah. so yeah i'd say be patient agreed agreed
0: all righty well thank you guys stay tuned uh we are trying to record doing our best through everything record weekly so stay tuned
1: we will have we will have the forward line uh next week and There's going to be a lot to talk about there.
0: Oh, yeah. We could be here for four hours with Alessandrini, but we won't because our whole thing is trying to keep it short enough to get you guys through a gym workout or your drive. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you again for listening. See you next week.
1: Cheers, kid.